welcome to Trinity. It is a joy uh, to be able to gather together and sing and pray and hear good news, and we get to continue that on. If you have a Bible, please open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're moving along in our series uh, this summer, One Another, Cultivating Gospel Community, a, a community shaped and fueled by the gospel, what the gospel does in us and produces through us and, and impacts the lives of, of each other and those around us. And so hopefully this series has been an encouragement to you and, and, and challenging. I hope it is challenging. It's certainly challenging for me. As we move forward, we're going to come back to the passage we were in last week to hit on something else that was said there, serve one another, serve one another. So let's read verses 7 through 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded For the sake of your prayers, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray as we consider this together. God, we thank you for your goodness and grace that you have poured out to us through the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your spirit working in our lives. Apart from such a grace, we would have no hope. But because of a great, this grace, we have hope that never ends. And God, I pray that our hearts would be strengthened with hope as we consider your word today. So would you do a good work in us as we come to it? In the preaching, in the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting of this, your word, we ask. In Christ's name, amen. The natural outworking of the grace of God in your life has many things. One of them is you serving others. The natural outworking of grace in you is that you serve others. Serving others is both born of grace and ends in glory. It ends in God being glorified. What an incredible thing to be a part of. To be a recipient of grace is awesome. To see that that grace does something in you and through you into the lives of other people who find their hope in God and He gets glorified, that takes something awesome and makes it even more awesome. You get to be a part of that. And yet, so many of us miss this profound delight because we don't really serve. We might do things for the church or provide help here and there, but so many times it's conditional to our time, our willingness, or spurred on by our own self-esteeming motives. 
That's why we need gospel rehearsal in our lives. We need to rehearse the good news of, of who God is and what he has done and, and what that makes us and, and then how is that work in and through us. To serve one another, as we see here, launches us into that tension, into wrestling with that reality that the grace we have received isn't something we hoard It's not to be turned in on itself that there is an outward dynamic to it. So we're going to carefully consider these things and better hopefully understand the call to serve one another. To do that in light of what we see here in this passage and and, and its consistency within the scope of Scripture, there are two things that we're going to consider. First is the context of, The context of serving one another is one in which grace is applied. The context of serving one another is grace applied. Which then we'll find and see that the character of serving one another is grace magnified. What if we thought of service in that sort of dynamic and interplay of understanding grace? Maybe change our motives and maybe change the, the, the aspect in which we do it and the reasons why and what it's aiming for. Let's tackle that together. So first, the context of serving one another is grace applied. And what we find right out of the gate is that grace reframes our focus from serving self to serving others. It reframes our focus. Grace reframes our focus from self to others. From self to others. Look again at verse 10. We're going to take a moment to hang out on this verse for a little bit. Before we talk about the character, let's get this context under our belt. Verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And And words are on screen. Keep that there in your Bible. Keep it on the screen there for a little bit because I really just want to dig down and drill down into this verse for a second. Let's just take a moment to see what is being laid out here and how this grace-applied context matters so greatly. Look at the structure of this verse. Well, first of all, the main verb in this verse is the call to serve one another. To serve one another. But it's, it's an interesting verb. It's a verb that has ongoing force to it. It's an, a verb that's action-oriented, but given in a very command kind of way. It's a call on our life to go about serving one another. And it, and it really could even be stated that way. Serving one another, but not so much as a description, as more of a call. It's at the heart of this verse, serve one another. There's no question over what the charge is for those who are clinging to Jesus. It's not negotiable. It's a call on our lives. Because of the grace you've received, serve one another. And that leads us to the second aspect as we look at it. It it makes us look backwards and it makes us look forward in the verse. So in the middle of the verse, we find the call to serve one another. And when we look back, we see the foundation for that call. Why? 
because of what you have received, as each has received a gift. The foundation of the call to serve one another is because grace is already received. You've already received. Because of what you have received, serve. That's an important dynamic that we need to understand in the Christian life for those who are followers of Christ. You do out of what you've already received. You don't do in order to gain from God. He's already given you all in Christ. You'll exhaust yourself and frustrate yourself if you serve in order to gain from God. You're inverting the dynamic of God's grace in your life. And it will only end in frustration. We serve out of what we have received. And what we have received is a gift. The word for gift is the same root word for grace. The dynamic here is you have received grace upon grace. And because you have, serve. The overflowing, outward nature of grace in our lives extends through our lives to others. So far in our verse, we find that the call is, is it's not hidden. It's not vague. It's not ambiguous. The call, serve one another. The foundation for that call, because you've already received grace. The dynamic and character of that call then is what we see after the, the verse or after the verb, and that is to do that as a steward, a good steward. Serve as stewards. A steward is a manager who is responsible at fulfilling their job description. You're a graced person called to serve. That's your job description. And to be a good steward is to fulfill the job description given to you. Actually, in Peter's day, it would have been a servant carrying out the duties of a master and done in such a way that it's characterized as good. You see that stewarding what we have received in such a way that first, it's a manner of stewarding that is good and B, the outcome of our stewarding is service to others. Grace reframes our focus takes the focus off of ourselves and actually it's focused on God, the giver of grace and the direction of grace that it would go into the lives of other people. And as if we didn't have grace already very prominent in this verse, we find it at the end, sort of closing the circle. What kind of grace God's varied grace. Varied means many colored or diverse. That is, the scope of God's grace at work in and through our lives is far more fascinating and far more reaching than we could ever dare to dream or think. It's greater than what we could possibly come up with in our mind. God's many-layered overwhelming, far-reaching, pervasive grace is greater than what you could dream up in your head. 
impacts more lives more intricately than we could possibly know. That grace is overwhelming and awesome and glorious and good. And you have experienced that, share in that, and you get to share that with the manner in which you live out your life, which includes serving one another. That means something for us when we see the various multicolored nature of God's grace. It means it's a gross and heinous sin for us to determine who gets such grace and who doesn't. Who gets such service and who doesn't. We're in no place to do that. That's not serving, that's selecting. That goes against the very contours of God's grace in your life. God's grace through your life. Oh, it launches us out to a big wide world, to a big wide group, a big diverse people. We live out our lives pointing them forward to the God, the giver of all grace. Grace reframes our focus from self to others because it helps us see this encompassing, overwhelming, awesome grace that we have received. One more thing on this context is not only do we see that dynamic at play in in establishing the foundation for us to serve one another, but it also means we're not the center of serving. We are not the center of serving. We, on the serving side, aren't the point. That's hard to hear. (laughs) We're not, though. No, not only is our call to serve one another in the context of grace, but its intended outcome is grace being applied to others. Yet we can be so consumed with what's our gift that we lose sight of the point. The next verse lists two kinds of categories of gifts. And we can easily see that that list is not exhaustive. And you can find other lists in the Bible that describe sort of lists of service or or spiritual gifts that you find listed throughout the New Testament and a couple of other places. And you're going to find that those lists aren't exhaustive either. They kind of give us a sense and a scope and a picture of the varied grace that God has poured out into the lives of his people and through his people. But at no point is it exhaustive. It's actually quite wide open in many ways. It's giving us this dynamic, this big picture of God's grace at work in and through the lives of his people. And I'm glad these aren't exhaustive because we would just hone in on the one thing we like. Make it more about ourselves. It's not that. That's not the nature of serving. We have received something from God with the responsibility to use it for the good of others. That makes serving much more like a conduit rather than a source or a destination. Serving is a conduit mentality, not a source mentality or a destination mentality. It's conduit. I've received this grace, and this grace is to go out to the lives of others Oh God, may I be good conduit 
May I be good conduit in the lives of other people that they receive this very same grace and see how awesome God is. That mentality, that shift in thinking actually brings great passion and fuel and fire and joy to serving, to serving one another, to being intentional and sacrificial in each other's lives because we've received grace and we want others to know that grace too. That dynamic is grace applied. That's our context. The context to the call to serve is the context of God's grace through our lives into the lives of others. Now we have character to consider too, what that looks like. What is it that we're doing in the midst of serving one another? And the character of serving one another is grace magnified. It is making much of the grace applied in our lives. It's grace magnified. Look at verse 411. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, not a comprehensive list, but we get a sense, a scope, a picture of what serving one another entails. And there are three things here that we find. First is serving as to declare gospel. Serving as to declare gospel. What kind of character comes in the serving of one another? What is being magnified? Well, we're declaring good news that God has brought forth in the gospel. The experience of grace in our lives, that is grace applied, is to lead to the making much of grace to others, and that's grace magnified. And one of the ways that we can magnify grace is in the proclamation of the gospel as the overarching thread and story of Scripture. We do that certainly with upfront responsibilities of preaching and teaching and speaking and sharing of God's word. Those aren't the only ways in which we go about speaking it. They are certainly prominent ways. There's something very important here that we need to know and understand is that this was written to the church. So it's not just simply to the few people who have the responsibility of preaching and teaching and speaking in the upfront capacities. And because of that, we need to know that churches aren't to be propelled by the personality or their gifting of their pastor. Rather, churches are to be propelled by the power of the gospel heralded and proclaimed shared and sung, taught and treasured. That is what's propelling a church forward. And when people are serving in a way that is proclaiming and heralding and singing and sharing and teaching and treasuring God's Word, that isn't limited to this small little space right here. While there are roles and responsibilities that take on the public speaking of the gospel, it doesn't mean we all don't play some part in serving one another and declaring gospel truth. Do you know? 
coffee shops, living rooms, hallways, text messages, Zoom groups, all of them aren't off limits to the speaking of the good news of God's varied grace to one another. How can we go about serving one another, magnifying the grace of God? Speak it to each other. Speak it to one another. Serving as to declare the gospel. Secondly, we find in our passage the character of grace magnified is that we are serving as to display grace. We're declaring it. We're making it clear. We're articulating it. We're, we're trying to put words and thoughts around the notion and scope of God's grace as defined and displayed in Scripture. Yes, that is important. We are to serve one another in that way. We're also to serve one another in, in, the, in just the, the vulnerable, real way of displaying the grace of God through our lives. Making visible and tangible the dynamic power of grace in the selfless service of others. That's what I mean by displaying grace. Making visible and tangible the dynamic power of grace in the selfless service of others. The word for serve is the same word that we get the word for deacons. It's which means a very tangible, practical, intentional service. Something like waiting on tables for one another. And the voluntarily joyful display of grace and the tangible and practical and selfless serving of one another puts on display the beautiful and powerful nature of God's grace at work in our lives. It puts it on display. It also follows in and therefore draws attention to the nature and character of serving of our King. The nature and character of serving of our King. Look at Mark 10, 45. Mark 10, 45 says this about Jesus. Jesus speaking about himself. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ, our King, gave his life in service, and those who follow him are to be marked with that same character. It's the outworking of grace in our lives in the service of others. Another way to think of it is like that of a river. The current of grace goes outward from God through us to others, and then it loops back to God in glory. But its, it's current is downward. It's, it's, it, the river is moving in and through our lives onto others. This means to not serve others, both in the broadest sense that there's no exhaustive list, but also in the most practical sense, to not serve each other is to be like a beaver that dams up the river and it gets dry on the other side. If you want a dry, lifeless, waterless church, don't serve. 
one another. Don't serve one another. Oh, damn it up real quick. I love the idea, the, the place, the picture of what serving one another as an understanding of it being grace applied and grace magnified does in the life of a church. Following in our Savior who put a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet. Who took on the very practical, tangible care, selflessly doing this. I love what uh, commentator Edmund Clowney says. It's convicting. It is the love of God that brings us to our brother's feet. It is the grace of God that fills our basin for service. Are we at our brother's feet? Are we willing to serve? God's not going to give us empty basins. His grace is far too rich for that. We can serve one another, declaring the gospel and displaying the grace that we have received. Are we also going to serve as to delight in glory? And that's our third one that we find here at the end of our verse, verse 11. Serving as to delight in glory. The ultimate goal of Christian community is the glory of God enjoyed. It is the glory of God enjoyed. It is our hearts resting in and treasuring God as supremely worth it and delighting in Him that our serving is out of grace. It is an extension of grace so that it ends in glory. More people seeing God as awesome, holding on to Him, treasuring Him. All sacrifice of service and of hospitality and of loving one another is immediately forgotten when the glory of God fills our hearts. When the glory of God is the ultimate aim. If God's glory isn't the aim, we'll start weighing the cost and then we will grumble and complain. But if God's glory is the aim, then that joy will fill our hearts. One day... Most incredibly, it will fill our resurrected eyes and every bit of our self-denial and every bit of giving and every bit of serving will be filled to the brim with forever joy. If it's worth it for joy that lasts for all eternity, then it's worth it right now to serve one another, to be speakers of good news to each other, to give up a little bit of our time and a little bit of our proximity, a little bit of our resources, a little bit of our energy to encourage somebody else in our church family to see that Jesus is worth it. God is to be treasured. His glory knows no end. It's going to all be filled to the brim with forever joy. You won't look back and regret the time that you served others so that they could treasure Jesus. God is worth it. And others coming to know and experience his worth is all, all the fuel we need to keep on serving. What better privilege is there than that? 
There is a profound delight, a joy that hints at glory when we use our lives in the service of others, declaring the gospel and displaying God's grace at work in us. Let's be a church who desires this and learns of this and practices it in our lives together so that God would be glorified. Amen. Let's pray. God, we certainly pray that that would happen in our church, that you would do that and, and, and really grip our hearts by the scope and nature of your grace to see how and wonderful and incredible it is, how transformative it is in our lives, and that from that we would be so eager to magnify your grace in the manner in which we serve one another. How would you do that and help us to see the myriads of ways that this can take shape in our lives? Help us to be people eager to make much of the gospel and what we speak and how we share that with each other. Help us to be a people that make much of your grace in the manner in which we are eagerly and happily and joyfully, willingly, cheerfully eager to serve. God, give us discernment and opportunities to serve in the variety of ways that that all can practically take shape. And God, may we be a people who find profound joy and delight in doing this for your glory. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.